I'd like to start this morning by uh, maybe making things a little bit awkward. I want to tell you something about myself that I don't normally tell people. I definitely don't introduce myself by saying this, uh, but I am a worrier. Now that's warrior with an O, not warrior with an A. Warrior, warrior, wow, I can't say that word. That would be a lot cooler if I was a warrior. But I am a warrior with an O. I struggle with anxiety. Um, To be honest with you, I have been extra anxious this week because I'm preparing this sermon on anxiety, which seems a bit (laughs) self-defeating. But it's just true. I, I am a worrier for as long as I can remember. I haven't really had fingernails since like the age of eight because uh, I bite them when I'm nervous. Um, but honestly, I have been, yeah, just a worrier as long as I can remember. But in the last year, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people, in the last year, uh, my anxiety really has hit a peak so far in my life because 2020, you know, um, it's just been kind of a rough year, and I can remember that around a year ago, I was sitting in my living room, leading a Bible study for my small group, and all of a sudden, I felt the worst chest pain that I have ever felt in my entire life. And just to let you in on my thought process of what was going on as this was happening, I had eaten four breakfast tacos that morning at church, because I lived in Austin, Texas, and that's what you do, and I remember sitting there thinking, I'm about to die from eating too many breakfast tacos. Like I was just convinced and I'm running through all these worst case scenarios in my head saying, okay, I have a little baby and my son's gonna grow up and people are gonna ask, how did your dad die? And he's just gonna have to say, the breakfast tacos got him. And I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm really praying, God, don't let me die this way, right? This is just so stupid. What a stupid way to die, eating too many breakfast tacos. But thankfully I didn't die, uh, but the chest pains didn't go away. And so a couple days later, later, uh, I went to the doctor, he ran a bunch of tests and came back and he's like, hey, you know, the tests are good, you're fine, let me ask you, are you stressed out? Are you anxious? And I can remember kind of going through this list in my head, I'm like, well, I haven't really thought about it, I mean, there's a global pandemic, and I have a baby, so I'm learning how to be a dad, and ministry is hard, and I kind of get nervous around large groups of people, and that's kind of my whole job, Um, and money is kind of tight, and, you know, I want people to like me, and they heard something about murder hornets on the news, so that has me concerned, and I'm kind of going through this list in my head of the things that are causing me to be anxious, Um, and you probably have already figured out that's what was causing my chest pains, was that anxiety, Um, and so maybe, maybe as I say that, some of you are just appalled that a Christian, and especially a Christian in ministry, could struggle with anxiety. But if I had to guess, I would say a lot of you are like, you struggle with anxiety? Yeah, welcome to being a human, right? Welcome to being a human, and especially a human in 2021. Because there is just so much in a fallen world that can cause us anxiety. I cannot imagine the anxieties that are represented just in our church this morning. And the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety, which makes sense, right? It speaks a lot to it. Here's what Proverbs 12, 25 says. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. I don't know about you, but I feel the weight of anxiety. I wake up often feeling the weight of anxiety, but Jesus gives us a good word to make us glad. I think of Jesus' words in this passage that we're studying this morning like an inhaler for the soul. It calms us down and allows us to breathe again. So back to my story from earlier. Um, So I actually ended up seeing a biblical counselor 
for the anxiety that I was struggling with. And here's what he helped me see. I was losing sight of important truths about God and how he cares for me. Truths that I learned as a kid growing up here at West Park, and I learned over and over and over again, I'm forgetting them as an adult. And that's why anxiety is so dangerous, because it makes us forget important truths about God. So Jesus is going to step in here in this passage, and he's going to remind us what the truth is. He'll remind us what the truth is. So let's start reading. The way this is going to go is I'll just read a little bit and talk a little bit, and then we'll work through the passage. So let's start in verse 22. It says this, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So let's stop there and lay a little groundwork, okay? I think we need to define our terms here and make sure we know what Jesus is talking about when he uses that word anxious. So here's a definition, okay? Here's a definition I think captures Jesus' use of the word. This is from Ross Lester. He's a pastor in Austin. He says this, Anxiety is the experience of having fears of an unknown future disrupt the possibility of peace, joy, and contentment in the present. Let me say that again. Anxiety is the experience of having fears of an unknown future disrupt the possibility of peace, joy, and contentment in the present. It's looking into the future and seeing a bunch of bad scenarios that you can't control and allowing that to have a negative effect on you. Here's another way to say it. Anxiety is an active fixation on a hypothetical doomsday. And it's the belief that if the hypothetical doomsday happens, that God has failed us. That's what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. And so before moving on, let me just acknowledge that I think there's a difference between this definition and more complex forms of chronic anxiety that would be classified as an anxiety disorder that requires treatment. I think there's a little bit of a difference here, and I think that Jesus would acknowledge that as well. But let me also just say that no matter what, if you struggle with anxiety, Jesus' words here are helpful. They are helpful for everyone. And so let's really get into the meat of his teaching here. I said earlier that anxiety causes us to forget important truths about God. Well, Jesus is going to give us three antidotes to anxiety, three truths to drive deep down into our souls, to remind ourselves of, to preach to ourselves when anxiety comes. So let's get into it. Let's get into the meat here. Verse 24, Jesus says this, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? I'll stop there. Here's antidote one. Here's antidote one. Know what you're worth to the God who created you. Know what you're worth to the God who created you. Can't you... Picture this scene from the passage I just read. You can picture this scene. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and they're an anxious bunch just like us. And he just wants to help them see how much their God cares for them. 
And so what does he do? Maybe a, maybe a raven swoops down looking for food, and he says, consider the ravens. Consider the raven, ravens. So in preparation for this sermon, I've tried to do that. The last couple of weeks, I've done a lot of bird watching. I've paid attention to the birds, and here's what I've noticed. They work hard, right? Birds, watch them. Birds work hard. So Jesus' call not to be anxious isn't a call to laziness. It's a call to work hard, but not to worry. Birds work hard, but they don't worry about their 401ks. Eugene Peterson says this. He says, birds, they work hard, but they're careless in the care of God. Don't you want that to be true of you? Careless in the care of God. And then the passage continues, and Jesus moves to another illustration. He sees some wildflowers. And he points them out to his disciples and he says, consider these flowers. So let's consider them. What do we learn from flowers? Well, I'm sure you've noticed that over the last few weeks, the wildflowers have really started coming up around Knoxville. And here's a really ironic thing. Those wildflowers used to make me really anxious as a kid. Because I knew that when those wildflowers came up, my mom would spring into action. And she would put me and my brother and sister in matching outfits. And she would drive up over to the Hardin Valley exit on Pellissippi and pull over and make us sit in the middle of those flowers to take pictures. And I, was the, and I was the oldest kid, so it was always the most embarrassing for me. And I can remember vividly sitting in those flowers, taking pictures, doing my fake smile, and just in the back of my head saying, please no one drive by, please no one drive by that I know, please don't let anyone see me, right? But why did she do that? Why did she do that? Because those flowers are so beautiful. They're so beautiful. And and, and God shows his care for creation through its beauty. So do you see Jesus' point? If God cares for the birds and the flowers, how can you possibly think that he doesn't care for you? How can we possibly think that? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7 that we should cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Think about that. God wants us to cast all of our anxieties on him. Think about the amount of people in your life that you actually want to cast all their anxieties on you. But the God of the universe wants that. That's how valuable that you are to him. And here's something I thought that was pretty cool. That word right there in the Greek that we translated, that's translated as cast in 1 Peter 5, 7, it only appears one other time in the New Testament. And it's during Jesus' triumphal entry, which is pretty awesome, today on Palm Sunday. And so here's what happens. The story, it's this little detail that you probably never noticed. But in Luke 19.35, we're told this, that Jesus sent disciples off to go find the donkey for him to ride in on. And they bring it back, and then here's what it says. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. So that word casting in 1 Peter And that word throwing here in Luke, they're the same word. They're the same word. So think about that. What does it mean to cast your anxieties on Jesus? Well, if you have a coat and you don't want to carry it, you give it to the donkey. And you let him carry it for you, right? You say, here's the weight. Carry it for me. I don't want this anymore. Jesus offers to do the same thing. He offers to take our anxiety. Anxiety weighs us down like a heavy backpack on a hike in the Smokies. But Jesus says, give it to me. I'll take it. And that offer stands every single day. Anxiety will come every single day. But we cast it. 
every single day. And we can do that because he cares for us. Now notice, notice in our passage, Jesus says it plainly. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. And that's huge. Because think about this. Let's say that we're heading to lunch together. And as we're in the car heading to the restaurant, you say, I forgot my wallet. And then I say, don't worry about it. What does that imply? It implies that when we get there and we eat and the bill comes, I got you. I'm going to take care of it. It would be a real jerk move to pay my part of the bill and then walk off and say, have fun doing dishes, right? That would be a jerk move. So here's the thing. When Jesus says, don't worry, what's he saying? I got it, okay? I got it. You don't need to worry because I got you. He cares for us. Just soak in that, okay? Breathe a little bit. He cares for us. But I don't think, I think we have to see something else here. He cares for us. And that's important to know that he cares for us. But I think we have to also ask another question. Is he mighty enough to care for us? He cares about us, but is he mighty enough to care for us? He wants to take our anxieties on him, but is he powerful enough to do anything about it? Will he ever look at us and say, sorry, that's just above my pay grade? And Jesus says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And he points to God's providence, right? We use that word a lot, his providence. What's that mean? Think of the word that's right there at the beginning. It's his providence, his providence, his providence, his ability to provide. He has the power to provide for us. And that's why Jesus points to the birds and the flowers. He says, if he provides for them, won't he provide for you too? So we have a God who is both mighty enough to provide and cares enough about us to provide. And that's good news, right? That is good news. But it gets even better. It gets even better. Let's keep working through the passage. Verse 29. It says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And that's antidote two. Know what you don't know and seek God's kingdom. Know what you don't know and seek God's kingdom. So in Antidote 1, we learn that God both cares for us and he's powerful enough to take care of us. So if that's true, why are we anxious? Okay? If we really believe that, then why are we anxious? And here's what I would say. I would say that we are anxious. Much of our anxiety actually comes from a lack of humility. Now, that sounds a little strange, right? Because, because anxiety seems like a humble thing. On the surface, it seems like a very humble thing. But here's what I want to point out to you. At its core, anxiety is saying that we know more than an all-powerful God. Tim Keller says that anxiety is, at the end of the day, fearing that God will get it wrong. So when we worry about the future, we're saying that we know how things are supposed to turn out. But Jesus says, you don't know. You don't know. God knows what's actually best for you. Your father knows what you need. And as the sustainer of the universe, he's working with 7 trillion data points that we know nothing about, right? We don't know what we need. God knows what we need. And so what do we do in response? We trust him. That's hard, but we trust him. 
You remember the stories, and this is, this, is, this is good for today. There's a storm outside, so we'll talk about a storm here. Do you remember the story when the disciples were sailing through a storm, and Jesus was asleep on the boat? And what they do? They get anxious, and they go to Jesus, and they say, Get up! Don't you care about us? <laughs> and Jesus gets up and said, Why are you afraid? You of little faith. What's he saying? What are you talking about, guys? <laughs> Of course I care about you. Do I care about you? Of course I care. There's no need to fear. There's no need to fear because we have a God who cares about us and has the power to calm the storm. And so we can do what Corey Ten Boom said and trust an unknown future to a known God. Jesus tells us here that instead of worrying, we should seek his kingdom. So what does it look like to seek Jesus' kingdom in the midst of our anxiety? I think a good place here, a good outline is in Philippians 4, verse 6. This is what Paul says. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul tells us to pray about everything. Pray about everything. Everything you're worried and anxious about, tell God about it. Cast it on him. Ask him for what you need. That's what supplication is. Ask him for what you need. Ask him for all the things you want him to do for you. Some of you are saying, well, I do that already, and I'm still anxious. <laughs> but here's the key. He says, do that, but do it with thanksgiving. When you ask him, when you ask him, do it with thanksgiving. So when you go to God asking for what you need, do it in a way that acknowledges that he knows more than you. <laughs> He knows more than you. So you're saying, God, whatever you do in response to this request, it's good, and I'll trust it. You're saying, God, here's my request, but I know that your timing is perfect. You're saying, God, if you give me the opposite of what I'm asking for, I'll still thank you and praise you. Because <laughs> you know more than I do. You know what's best for me. So the disciples did the right thing in the storm. They got anxious, and they went to Jesus, but here's what they forgot. They forgot what I keep repeating over and over again. Our God cares for us, and he's powerful enough to care for us. They forgot those two things. So there's no need to fear, even in the midst of the storm. The other day, I saw something happen that I think illustrates this really well. So our family was playing in the backyard at my mother and father-in-law's house, and my 18-month-old son, Knox, was playing with his grandpa on this large wall in the backyard. And so you can see the picture there. First of all, they're matching, which is hilarious. Uh, but what you can't see is that that wall that Knox is on just keeps getting higher and higher and higher and higher till it's up above Neil's head. And he just kept walking higher and higher and higher and higher until he was above Neil's head. And I'm watching from a distance, freaking out. I told you I'm a warrior. I'm freaking out thinking of all the worst case scenarios that could possibly happen, right? Like what if a bird swoops in and what if, you know, whatever. Just thinking about, thinking about everything. But here's the thing. Knox wasn't anxious. Knox wasn't anxious at all. Why? Because he trusts his pap. That's what he calls him, his pap. He trusts his pap. He has faith in his pap. He knows two things about Neil. He knows that he loves him enough to catch him if he falls. And he knows he's strong enough to do it. So now, even at 18 months old, can't, he's, he's not a great walker or runner or climber or anything like that, but he just keeps climbing because he knows that his pap has got him. And God offers the same thing to us. <laughs> he offers the same thing to us to live life knowing, I got you. 
I got you. You're free. I got you. And that takes us to antidote three. Know what God has done for you and live like someone who is eternally invincible. Know what God has done for you and live like someone who is eternally invincible. Let's focus in on verse 32. Jesus says, Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let me read that again. I love that. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So Jesus calls us little flock. What's he doing? He's acknowledging that we're fragile. So if you feel weak and inadequate like a little sheep, it's because you are, right? You are weak and inadequate. But Jesus says that's okay. He says you're fragile, but you're loved. You're weak, but you have a strong shepherd. You're an idiot, but you're my idiot, right? I love you. I love you. And it is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. How pleased was he to give you the kingdom? Think about that. That's what we're celebrating this week, right? How pleased was he to give you the kingdom? Enough to die for you. That's how pleased he was. You want to know how loved you are by God? Just look to the cross. Don't look at your circumstances. Look to the cross. If Jesus loves you enough to die for you, won't he take care of you? Right? Won't he take care of you? Here's what my boy Charles Spurgeon said. In the 19th century, he said this, Let us hear the Lord Jesus speak to each one of us. I will help you. It is but a small thing for me, your God, to help you. Consider what I have done already. What? Not help you? Why, I bought you with my blood. What? Not help you? I have died for you. And if I have done the greater, will I not do the less? Help you, it is the least thing I will ever do for you. He will help us. And that's why Jesus tells his disciples in verse 33 to give to the poor. A lot of us don't like giving because we're scared. When you don't trust in God's provision, you feel like you have to hoard. And that was the point of the passage last week that Pastor Sam preached on, right? The rich fool, he hoarded because he was scared. And I'm just like him. I like seeing money in my savings account because it makes me feel like I'm safe and in control. But here's the thing. Control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. And when you feel like you're losing control, that's just smelling salts to wake you up to the fact that you were never in control in the first place. Control is an illusion. But the good news is we know the one who's in control. We know the one who's in control, and he's got us. And it gets better, okay? It just keeps building and getting better and better because here's the amazing part. God's care for us goes far beyond just our needs in the present. If you're a follower of Jesus, then your future is invincible. Your eternity is invincible because God's kingdom is forever. When you stand on the mountaintop of heaven and look back on your life, you will see that you were eternally safe all along through pandemic, through illness, through money problems, through job loss, you name it. You were eternally safe all along, the whole time. Eternally safe in his love. But here's something I found really interesting studying for this. Um, I was doing some just research on anxiety. So Googling 
you know, anxiety and um, looking, you know, looking at books at Barnes and Noble and things like that. And here's the interesting thing. This word kept coming up. This word catastrophizing. Okay? Here's what that is. It's thinking of the worst case scenario. It's dwelling on that. And so the advice is that to deal with our anxiety, we shouldn't dwell on the worst case scenario. And I think that's actually good advice. <laughs> we worry about a lot of things that we don't need to worry about. We worry, a lot about, worry about a lot of things that never actually come true. But we also have to know this, and the Bible is real about this. Catastrophes happen, right? Catastrophes happen. Sometimes doomsday comes. Remember our definition of anxiety. Anxiety is the experience of having fears of an unknown future disrupt the possibility of peace, joy, and contentment in the present. Well, sometimes those fears of an unknown future actually come true. It's just the truth. Sometimes the worst case scenario comes true. But Christians, listen. Listen. Even if the doomsday scenario in your mind happens, it cannot separate you from the love of God. His love for you is like an ocean without a bottom or a shore, and you couldn't escape it if you tried. You cannot escape his love. And just to be honest with you all, that is something that uh, me and my wife, Allie, are really struggling with right now. It's thinking about doomsday. What, what if that happens? Because um, in January, we found out that we suffered a miscarriage with our second child. And it's just been a really rough few months, just something we're still processing through. It's just been really hard. And now, this is something I underestimated, but now as we're starting to look towards the future, we're thinking about, okay, when we try again, what's going to happen? And there's a lot of anxiety there, right? There's a lot of anxiety there. And here's the thing. I don't think it would be helpful for us just to try to convince ourselves that everything will be all right. I don't think that that would be helpful. I don't, maybe it won't be, okay? Maybe everything won't be all right. Maybe the worst case scenario will happen. But here's what we're reminding ourselves of. We are eternally invincible. We are safe in his love no matter what happens. No matter what happens, we are safe in his love even in the midst of doomsday. And that's what the Apostle Paul reflects on here in Romans 8, one of my favorite passages, favorite passages in Scripture. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or miscarriage or whatever, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Jesus, even warriors with an O can be warriors with an A. (laughs) We're more than conquerors. More than conquerors because of Jesus. And if you are in Christ, you are as eternally invincible as he is. The true worst case scenario for the Christian is resurrection and everlasting life with Jesus. And so there is no reason to fear because your God has got you. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, whenever we are tempted to worry, whenever we're tempted to wonder about our value to you, all we have to do is just remember the good news of the gospel, the good news that we're celebrating this week here at Easter. As your children, we are forgiven and loved. We are cared for and protected. The birds and the flowers, they have nothing on us. But we acknowledge that our anxieties often get the best of us. So we run to you this morning. Please help us just with the things that we would love to control but can't. Help us to rest in you. Help us to be a non-anxious presence in a world filled with the weightiness of anxiety. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the gift of the church here to support us even when we're anxious. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.